character, the one that we've uh, been focusing on each, in each chapter. And really the thing that stands out as we've gone through Joseph's life really is his faith. That's what's been highlighted for us. That's what stood out. And so it's fitting that we find the book now concludes with one final statement of his faith in God. And verse 22 informs us that Joseph is now approaching uh, the end of his life. Uh, he's about to die. Verse 22, it says, And Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's house, and Joseph lived 110 years old. So he's 110 years old now. He's approaching the end of his life. He's been living in Egypt since he was 17. You know, the first 13 years of, the, of that time in Egypt was a time of great trials and affliction. Now, those first 13 years were when he was suffering in Potiphar's house and then he was in prison and he went through all those trials, all that affliction. But since then, he has been a man of great importance. You know, since then, he's been raised to being second in command over all of Egypt. He's been a man of power and wealth. He's been blessed, hasn't he, by God, both spiritually, but he's also been blessed materially, physically by the Lord. He has seen his faith in God Rewarded. He's seen that God is faithful. God hasn't let him down through all these years. And verse 23 informs us that he also he has the privilege of seeing his grandchildren and even his great-grandchildren uh, being born. Verse 23, it says, And Joseph saw Ephraim's children to the third generation. The children also of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were brought up upon Joseph's knees. And so he has the privilege of seeing his grandchildren and even his great-grandchildren. He's blessed to see God increase his family. And even this was the fulfillment of a promise. Back in Genesis 48, uh, God had said that he would increase his descendants. Chapter 48, verse 19. This is his father, Jacob, of course, speaking. It says, his father refused and said, I know it, my son, I know it. He also shall become a people... And he also shall be great, and truly his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his seed shall become a multitude of nations. And he blessed them that day, saying, In thee shall Israel bless, uh, saying, God make thee as Ephraim and Manasseh. And he set Ephraim before Manasseh. And so Joseph had you know, been given this promise, this blessing from his father, from God, uh, through his father, this blessing that he would see his descendants greatly increase. And he sees the beginning of the fulfillment of that promise here, doesn't he? As he sees his grandchildren, even his great-grandchildren, being raised upon his knee. Joseph had lived his life by faith, and he had seen God be faithful. God had faithfully kept his word. And now as Joseph approaches the, the time of his death, we see him yet again demonstrate his faith in God and his faith in God's word. We see that here with the instructions he gives unto his brethren. You know, it's interesting, out of all the events in Joseph's life, all the times that we've seen him exhibit faith, it's this one occasion that is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. It's this occasion for which his faith is mentioned. Just go over quickly, Hebrews 11. Here is 11 and verse 22. It says, By faith Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel 
and gave commandment concerning his bones. Now, of all the things in his life, it is this occasion that the writer of Hebrews chooses, under the, the leading of God, of course, the leading of the spirits, chooses to put in here in the hall of faith, in this great faith chapter where all these great men and women of faith are listed. Joseph is listed here for his faith at the end of his life in these instructions he gives unto his brethren. Commentator Butler wrote this, he said, The thing about Joseph which so pleased God was that Joseph believed God. And this profession at the end of Joseph's life indicates how enduring his faith was. It survived every trial, every difficulty, and every test. He lived his faith right to the very end. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? He lived his faith right to the very end. So this morning, let's consider this wonderful statement of Joseph's faith right here at the end of his life. Notice firstly with me this morning the certainty of Joseph's faith, the certainty of his faith. Look in verse 24. It says, And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he sware to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from hence. Now, the first thing we see here about his faith at the end of his life is that Joseph was certain of what he believed. He was sure of what he believed, sure of his faith. Now, the certainty of his faith here is revealed in the statement, God will surely visit you. It's a statement of certainty, isn't it? And he makes that statement twice. He says it in verse 24, and then he says it in verse 25. Twice he says, God will surely visit you. It's an expression of confidence, an expression of certainty in what he believed. Joseph didn't say, I hope God will visit you. He didn't say, perhaps, maybe God will visit you. No, he declares with certainty, with conviction, God will surely visit you. And as we read on in verse 24, we see why it is that he had that conviction. We see what it is that he is so certain God will do. Verse 24 again, let's just read it. It says, And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you, and bring you out of this land unto the land which he sware to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Joseph was sure, he was confident that in God's perfect timing he would visit his people and he would bring them out of the land of Egypt. God would bring them out of that that land they were dwelling in and back to the land of Canaan, the promised land. This was his confidence, this was his, his certainty of his faith. And this confidence rested in the promises of God, didn't it? Yeah, it wasn't unfounded. His confidence rested in the promises of God. He says that there in verse 24. He says, And bring you out of this land unto the land which he sware to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Joseph declares to his brethren, he says, God swore, God promised this unto us. He's calling to remembrance here the word of God, isn't he? He's calling to remembrance, their remembrance, the promises of God. Now, this is a promise that God had first made unto Abraham years earlier when he first called him out of the Earl of the Chaldees. Just go back to Genesis chapter 12. 
Seems like such a long time ago since we were here. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. It says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I'll make of thee a great nation and I'll bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I'll bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their substance that they had gathered, the souls that they had gotten in Haran and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land unto a place of Sychem, unto the plain of Moreh. And the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord, who appeared unto him. And here we have the familiar story of Abraham. He's called by God to leave his homeland. And by faith he leaves. He, he puts his faith and trust in the Lord. And he goes, he travels into a land that God will show him. And when he arrives in Canaan, in verse 7, the Lord appears unto him and says, Unto thy seed will I give this land. That was the promise that God had given unto Abraham when he first arrived. And of course, God had then given that exact same promise unto Isaac. And that promise unto Jacob. And Jacob had clearly taught his sons that promise, hadn't he? He taught them that promise. He, he brought them up to know the word of the Lord. Now we saw that there at the end of chapter 49 a couple of weeks ago. We, we talked about how jo Jacob, when he died, you know, he gave his burial instructions and he, he instructed his sons to take him back to Canaan and bury him there. We talked about how that was a, a declaration of his faith in this promise that God would give them the land of Canaan. Now we also see Jacob declaring very similar words unto Joseph personally in chapter 48, verse 21. <clears throat> chapter 48, verse 21. says, And Israel said unto Joseph, Behold, I die, but God shall be with you and shall bring you again unto the land of your fathers. It's very similar words, isn't it? To the words that Joseph now declares here. Very similar words. Joseph learnt this from his father. His father had said, God will be with you and God will bring you out. And Joseph now declares that again unto his brethren. He believed the words of God. You see, this was the foundation of his faith, wasn't it? It was the promises of God. It was the word of God. It was this knowledge of who God is and this knowledge of what God had said. That's where Joseph's faith rested. That's why Joseph was so certain that God would surely visit his people and bring them out. You see, God had promised it, and so Joseph believed it. God promised it, Joseph believed it. Weasby writes this, he says, Faith isn't a shallow emotion that we work up by ourselves, or an optimistic hope-so attitude of faith in faith. True faith is grounded on the infallible word of God. And because God said it, we believe it and we act upon it. You know, that certainly describes Joseph, doesn't it? He, he believed the infallible word of God. God had promised it. God had said it. And so it was true. And he believed it by faith. 
That's where his faith was grounded. And as a result, he was certain. He was fully persuaded of what God would do. And it gave him boldness to declare that under his brethren, didn't it? That's why he had this boldness to say this under his brethren here on his deathbed. Because of his confidence in the word of God. You know, like Joseph, our faith must be grounded in the infallible word of God. We must know God's word so that we might with certainty, with confidence, declare what we believe. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, the Apostle Paul declared the certainty of his faith. Just turn over there. In 2 Timothy chapter 1. Second Timothy 1 verse 12, it says, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. You know, Paul here declares, he says, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded. He says, I know who I have believed in, I know who my God is, and I am persuaded, fully persuaded that God is able to keep his word. You see, Paul, like Joseph, was certain, wasn't he? He was certain of his faith. He was confident that God would keep his promises. And the foundation of Paul's confidence, just like Joseph's, was the knowledge of God and his word. Beloved, we must, like Joseph and like Paul, be certain of our faith. We must know who we have believed in. And we must be fully persuaded as to what his word says, what his word declares, and we believe it with confidence, with surety. That's where our faith must be grounded upon, God's holy word. Our strong, confident faith is built upon a knowledge of his word, and Christ taught us that, didn't he? Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, we we know this passage well. Christ talks about the two builders, Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter, 20, uh, chapter 7, sorry, verse 24. <clears throat> it says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was fa- founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man built his house upon the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came. The winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Christ talks about the two builders, speaks about the necessity of building upon his word. Now that is where our faith must be grounded. Now the wise man builds upon the word of God. The wise man hears God's word and puts it into practice in his life, seeks to obey it. It's the foundation of his faith. You see, if we're going to face the, the storms of life, and they're going to come, we're going to face the storms of life and stand through those storms, our faith must be grounded in the Word of God. We must know and be fully persuaded in whom we have believed. Now, this clearly is where Joseph's confidence came from. He knew who his God was He knew what his God had promised and he believed it with great confidence. 
And that brings us now, secondly, to consider the patience of his faith. The patience of his faith. <clears throat> Verse 25 there. It says, And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones from hence. You know, true faith in God is patient. It's willing to wait patiently for the Lord and for his timing to keep his promise. You know, the first thing we said was it's certain of the promises of God, but then with that goes patience. Patience to wait for God's timing for that promise to be fulfilled. You know, Joseph, he certainly understood this truth, didn't he? He had learnt this lesson right throughout his life. You know, we think back to when he was 17 and God gave him those two wonderful dreams concerning uh, his future and concerning the future of his family. You know, in those dreams, God had revealed to him that one day he would be in a position of authority over his brethren. Now, that was the clear meaning of the dreams, and Joseph believed them by faith. God had said it, so Joseph believed it. That was his confidence. You know, at the time, Joseph had no idea that the fulfillment of those dreams would be 20 years into the future. And in between, he was going to suffer terrible trials. He was going to be sold by his brothers as a slave into Egypt. He's going to end up in Potiphar's house. He was going to be falsely accused and sent to prison. He's going to be forgotten by the, the butler and end up spending more time in prison before finally being exalted into the palace. You know, the exalt, being exalted in the palace took place 13 years after he first came to Egypt. For 13 years, he had to wait patiently for God to, to move, for God's will to be done. He had to wait patiently. God had said this was going to happen. didn't look like it was going to. It didn't look at, like it would ever be fulfilled. But Joseph had to patiently wait all those years until God brought it to pass. You see, he'd learnt that God's timing's always best. He'd learnt that delays do not mean that God has forgotten his word. Now, he'd learnt the truth of Psalm 37 verse 7, which says, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Joseph learned that lesson. Joseph learned to rest in God, rest in his promises with certainty, with surety, and wait. Wait patiently for God's timing. And we see him display that same patience here as he gives his instructions under his brethren. You see, in verse 25, he tells them, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from hence. You notice that? Joseph tells them with confidence, as we've already said, he tells them with confidence God will visit you because that's his promise and God will bring you out. But Joseph also understood it was going to be many years into the future. You see, we notice here that he says, take my bones with you. He doesn't say take my body. He says take my bones. Joseph understood that his body was going to be long decayed by the time they finally left Egypt. It was his bones they were going to have to carry with them. But this didn't diminish his confidence in God, did it? It didn't diminish his, his confidence in the promise that God would deliver his people. It didn't diminish his confidence that God would visit them. It didn't discourage his faith. He believed with confidence that God would keep his word 
And he also understood that they would have to patiently wait upon the Lord. One commentator wrote this. He said, true faith can wait for the promises to be fulfilled and is undaunted by delay in their fulfillment. Now that perfectly describes Joseph's faith. He was undaunted by how long it was going to be before God fulfilled his word. It didn't matter to Joseph. God had said it, so eventually it was going to be fulfilled in God's perfect timing. Now we know from God's word that it would end up being 400 years. 400 years before Israel finally came out of the land of Egypt. 400 years before God finally visited his people as he had promised and and brought them out. Might have been 400 years, but God kept his word. God did as he'd promised. And when they came out, they took Joseph's bones with them and he was finally buried in Canaan by Joshua. Go to Joshua 24. Joshua 24 and verse 32. It says, the bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel brought up out of Egypt, buried they in Shechem, in the parcel of ground which Jacob bought of the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of silver, and it became the inheritance of the children of Joseph. 400 years plus years later, finally, Joseph's bones are carried back to Canaan and he is buried in the land of Canaan, the land that God promised. You see, God kept his promise. God did visit them, but they had to wait patiently for 400 years before God kept his word. You see, as believers today, we're we're called to live by faith and that means that we must patiently wait upon the Lord. We need to have confidence in the Lord. That's confidence in his word. That's what we talked about in that first point, being grounded in God's word. But along with that goes patience. Learning to patiently wait for God to keep his promises. You see, faith means continuing to trust the Lord even when the answer is not immediate. Even when the fulfillment is not immediate. Now this is not always an easy thing to do, is it? There are plenty of times in our lives when our faith is tested. You know, we have to be patient. We have to wait upon the Lord. You know, for instance, we have to be patient when we call upon the Lord in prayer, don't we? You know, we come before the Lord and we pour our heart out before Him and sometimes the Lord answers immediately. But other times we have to keep coming before the Lord and praying. And we have to keep coming daily and praying and bringing that thing before the Lord in prayer. And we have to patiently wait for the Lord's answer, for the Lord's timing. You know, we have to be patient also when we seek the Lord's leading in our lives. Oftentimes we want him to give us the answer quickly. We have to be patient. We have to wait upon the Lord to give us direction. You know, we have to be patient as we go through trials in this life, don't we? Just like Joseph, we have to be patient. Understand that God has promised that he is with us. He's promised that he'll bring us out of it. He'll deliver us either through or from that trial. But we have to be patient and wait for his timing. That's what true faith means. It means continuing to trust the Lord through that trial. In Romans 12, verse 12, it says that we must be patient in tribulation. Patient. 
that's something that's it's hard to do, isn't it, at times? But faith means being patient, waiting upon the Lord. You know, we also need to be patient as believers as we wait for the Lord's return, don't we? We need to be patient as a church. We know the Lord's promise. He's promised that he will come back for his bride, for the church. He will take us home to be with him, and we long for that day. Ever since the Lord returned to heaven, the church has longed for that day, down through the centuries. And still we're waiting for the Lord to fulfill his promise, aren't we? And we must, by faith, patiently wait upon him. You see, faith and patience go together. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12, we're told to be followers of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Just go to Hebrews 6. Hebrews 6 and verse 12. We'll start in verse 11 actually. It says, And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. We're to be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. In other words, follow their example. You know, Joseph is certainly one of those who has left us an example to follow. Joseph knew what it meant to have faith that is certain upon God's promises and then to patiently wait for him. Faith and patience go together. You know, if we're going to be men and women of faith, then we must learn to patiently wait upon him. And that brings us now thirdly to consider Joseph's testimony in his faith. The testimony of his faith, or if you like, the legacy of his faith. Go back to Genesis 50, verse 25. It says, And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from hence. So Joseph died, being a hundred and ten years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Now Joseph commanded his brethren, as he's on his deathbed, he commanded his brethren here that when God did eventually visit them, he gives them the command, he says, you need to take my bones with you and bury them in Canaan. In Hebrews 11 verse 22, as we read earlier, the writer declares there, he says, Joseph gave commandment concerning his bones. You know, this command that he gave was a testimony of his faith, wasn't it? It was a testimony of his faith in God unto his brethren. Who heard it? But not only that, it was a testimony of faith unto every generation after that. Unto all future generations, they knew, they understood the the command that Joseph had left concerning his bones. In verse 26, we're, we're told that when Joseph died, he, like his father, was embalmed according to the Egyptian practices, and he was placed in a coffin. Verse 26, it says, Joseph, so Joseph died, being 110 years old. And they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Now, Genesis, the book of Genesis, with all these wonderful uh, stories, all these wonderful glimpses of these men of faith, you know, creation, all these wonderful things, the book ends with Joseph in a coffin. You know that? It ends with Joseph in a coffin in Egypt, and that's the end. The implication is that Joseph was put in this coffin, and he was never buried. 
He's never put in a tomb. He's, his body is in this coffin, sitting there in Egypt, waiting. Waiting for the people of Israel to pick it up and take with them on this journey back to the land of Canaan. One commentator wrote this, His coffin laid above ground for 400 or so years until it was taken back to Canaan. It was a silent witness for all those years that Israel was going back to the promised land, just as God said. You see, Joseph's coffin, his, his bones, were a constant testimony of his faith. A constant reminder of the commandment that he had left upon his deathbed. A commandment that was founded upon the promise of God. It's a constant reminder to them that God would visit them. God would bring them back. You know, you can only imagine down through the generations, you know, the children asking their parents, what's the meaning of the coffin? What's the meaning of that coffin? And they would get to tell them the story about Joseph. Declare unto them Joseph's faith, Joseph's confidence in God. And declare unto them the promise that God would bring them out. You know, as the years went by and the years turned into centuries, it would have been very easy for the people to forget the promise, wouldn't it? It would have been easy to start to doubt that God would bring them out and begin to set their affections just upon Egypt and just enjoy life there, settle down to it. But Joseph's bones were a constant reminder. Joseph's commandments upon his deathbed was a constant reminder that Egypt was not their home. You know, by the time we get to Exodus chapter 1, People of Israel, of course, are slaves, aren't they? They're slaves now in Egypt. Their freedom has been taken away. They're, they're suffering greatly. You know, during this time, especially Joseph's bones, his coffin, and the commandment he left would have been a source of great encouragement, wouldn't it? A great encouragement that, hey, this is not the end. God is going to visit us. God is going to bring us out of this suffering. Commentator Butler writes this, Joseph's bones declared that God was going to deliver his persecuted people from Egypt. His bones insisted that relief was coming. When things got rough, the Israelites would find comfort in walking by the coffin and remembering it was a testimony of future deliverance. The bones of Joseph were only a monument, sorry, not only a monument to Joseph's faith, but they were also a message to Joseph's fellows to encourage them to increase their faith in God. You see, the point is that long after Joseph died, his faith was still influencing and encouraging others, wasn't it? Long after he died, his faith was still a testimony, still a legacy that pointed others to the Lord. You know, that testimony, that influence continued to affect Israel down through the generations until 400 years later, Moses picked up Joseph's bones and carried them out of Egypt on the journey back to the land of Canaan. Joseph's command was remembered all through those 400 years. And Moses obeyed that command, didn't he? And the people of Israel obeyed that command as they brought him out. And you know, his bones were with Israel as they traveled through the wilderness. They got to the land of Canaan, they disobeyed God and ended up in the wilderness for 40 years. Joseph's bones were with them for 40 years. All through those years, it was a testimony, wasn't it? A constant reminder, God would bring them into the land. Until finally, his bones were buried, as we saw in Joshua. Buried in the land of Canaan, as he had commanded. You know, even then, 
his body might have been laid in the ground to rest, but his influence, his testimony has continued, hasn't it? His legacy of faith didn't end there. It's enshrined for us in the word of God. Now, we've read it from Genesis 37 right on. His legacy of faith. Hebrews 11, as we read earlier, it's verse 22. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. You see, truly, Joseph's testimony of faith, his legacy of faith is still influencing us today, isn't it? It's influencing us as believers. You know, we read of Joseph's faith and we're encouraged. We read of Joseph's faith and we are influenced. We are blessed by it. We're blessed by his confident, patient faith in the promises of God. One commentator noted this. He says, faith ever does this. Its influence never ceases. And it is always for the good of mankind. But unbelief is a different story. Generation after generation will be blessed by the faith of their predecessors. But generation after generation will also be cursed by the unbelief of those who have gone before them. Now this morning I wonder what kind of legacy, what kind of testimony are we leaving for those who come behind? You know, are we like Joseph leaving a testimony of faith in the promises of God? Now, do our lives declare that we have a confident, patient faith in the promises of God? Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word today. We thank you, Lord, for Joseph. We thank you, Lord, for his faith and the wonderful example that is unto, unto us even today. Lord, we look at his faith and we see his, his certainty, his confidence in you and in your word, in your promises. We see his patience willing to wait. And Lord, the wonderful legacy that he left behind him. Lord, I pray you work in our hearts today and I pray that, Lord, you would increase our own faith. That we would be confident, we'd be certain of what you've promised unto us. And Lord, we would be patient as we wait upon you. Lord, may you help us to leave a legacy of faith to those who come behind us. Lord, bless as we close, we pray in Jesus' name.